church, everyone. Man, I am excited. It's going to be a great morning. It already has been a great morning. Um, but I just feel like today we just need to get excited. Like, we just need to get excited about Jesus, about God, and his presence in our lives. And so I feel like my mission today is to get you excited about the fact that Jesus is at work in your life, that he is for you, and so therefore nothing can be against you. And so this morning, let faith just be awoke in your heart. I don't know if that's a word, but awakened in your heart, um, because God is good. And he's faithful, and he's got an incredible plan for your life. And um, I just believe that without some of the um, greatest hindrances of us walking in obedience and in walking in all it is that God has for us are often fear and discouragement. And uh, this morning, I want us to shake off fear. <laughs> I want us to shake off discouragement and let faith be our anchor. Okay, now, um, met probably a lot of you, but I would love to just share a little bit about myself as we continue to get to know each other. Okay, is that okay? Yeah. All right, fantastic. Um, okay, so a few things you need to know about me. Uh, top three fears, okay, we'll start there. Um, snakes, I, I highly dislike snakes. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got some people with me, I love it. Um, Highly dislikes lakes. Um, I also, funny enough, growing up, I really didn't like speaking in front of people. So it's kind of ironic that this is where it is that God's called me to. So I'm just a testimony of, you know, God can do the impossible. Um, and then thirdly, where I'd like to, like, share with you a story is actually um, I really don't like heights. I really, really don't like heights. And here's why. It's not necessarily being up high that scares me. It's that, you know, if anything were to happen and I were to fall, I'm really up high. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of scary. Um, and so I want to tell you about the time that I went bungee jumping because I just feel like <laughs> everyone's like, oh, okay. Um, okay, so here's what happened. We were in college, and one of my friends was having their birthday, so everyone's like, let's go celebrate. So we went for dinner like normal people do, and then, like, the crazy people that we are, someone decided to surprise all of us and say, um, you know, we're also going bungee jumping and we already have tickets for all of you. Um, and in case you've ever been bungee jumping or interested in going bungee jumping, you need to save a little bit of money because it is rather expensive to go bungee jumping. So at that point, it's not like you can back out and say, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. It's too late. You've been committed to this adventure, okay? Um, so we pull up. And we're in BC at this point. That's where I went to college. And um, anybody familiar with Whistler? Whistler, yeah, the mountain. Okay, so we start driving. We start driving to Whistler. And I'm like, this is kind of nice, like beautiful scenery. Um, and then we pull up to Whistler Bungee, okay? And what it is, is it's two mountains. In between the mountain is a bridge. You jump off the bridge into the valley and then come back up. <laughs> now... It was a fun time, let me tell you that much. Um, okay, so I'm on this bridge with a harness on, and I'm watching person after person jump off, except the people that didn't jump get a loving encouragement 
um, to jump off. In other words, they get pushed off this bridge because they need to keep the line moving. All right, so they count down. Three, two, one. And whether you're ready or not, you're going. Um, and so at first I was like, I don't want to go first. Then I realized um, I also don't want to watch people and anticipate my fate so much. Um, so I'll just step in. So about halfway through, I'm like, okay, I'll volunteer. I'll vo please just make it stop. So I volunteer. I get up there and they count me down. Three, two, one. And I, and I didn't want them to push me, so I just jumped. Um, so I'm in the air, and as I'm falling, all I can think of is, Lord, if it's your will, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. <laughs> um, and then you hit the bottom, and you bounce back up, right? Because you're on a bungee, so you bounce back up, and it's almost like round two. But here's what I realized. When I came back up, the second time wasn't as bad. And here's why. Because the first time, I was a little nervous about the rope. The guys at the top were making jokes about the rope snapping, and I was like, you're not helping. Um, so I go down the first time, but when I come back up, I realize this, the rope was strong enough to catch my fall the first time, so it'll be strong enough to hold me the second time. Um, and then I started thinking, you know, like, how many times do we feel like we're free falling in life? Regardless of, of what that looks like for you, it might be at work, it might be a relationship, it might be within family, it might be whatever it is that you're going through. It's almost like sometimes we feel like we're free falling through life. And it's at that moment where we have to answer the question, do I trust someone to catch me? And not just do I trust someone to catch me, or not, somewhat, not only will they catch me, or who is catching me, but do I trust them to catch me? And so in our relationships with God, he's the one who is always supposed to catch us. He's the one who is always supposed to be there for us. But in the midst of tough moments, fear and discouragement can creep in. And our minds can get a little bit confused as to what is going on. And in scripture, continually, I see, you know, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. But sometimes I do feel afraid. Sometimes I do feel discouraged. Sometimes I do feel anxious. Maybe you've experienced that as well. And so what do we do in these moments when we feel like God's word is saying, don't be afraid. But I'm over here being like, I don't know how to not be afraid. And it's, in these, and it's this tension that I want us to dive into today. And so last week, we talked about Moses and the Red Sea. It's this incredible moment where Moses, you know, God tells him, take your staff and stretch out your arm. And Moses does it. And the Red Sea parts and the people of Israel walk across the Red Sea um, on dry land. It's this beautiful moment. And then, um, you know, Pharaoh and his army are following them and the Red Sea just destroys them. It's insane, and this, I can see it. It's like the crowd goes wild. It's like this crazy moment of, you know, God's victory. And then they go, and, and God leads them to the promised land. And, uh, and the funny thing is, before they enter the promised land, they send spies, okay? So they come close, and then they send spies, 12 spies. They all come back. They all say, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It truly is the promised land. But 10 of them say, we can't, we can't take that. Like, we can't 
over, we can't have victory over the people that are there. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, say, we can. The nation of Israel chooses, chooses to go with the majority, and the Israelites wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then round two happens. And um, this is where we're going to pick up our story, and it's in, it's in Joshua. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, and what's taking place is Moses is passing leadership of Israel to Joshua. And um, in the midst of it, you know, they're really close to the promised land, but there's still an obstacle in their way. And it's not something they haven't necessarily seen before or experienced before, because it's actually a body of water. It's the Jordan River. Um, and so Joshua is in front of the Jordan River. Again, they send spies, and they know that God is leading them to take the promised land, but there's an obstacle in their way. And so Joshua has to make a decision as to how to move forward. And there's people relying on him. There's people counting on him to make the right choice. I don't know about you, but in, those, in that moment, I, I would uh, be a little bit hesitant. <laughs> I'd be like, is this really what I'm supposed to do? God is like, I want to make sure I get this right. You know, like, I, I know what Moses did. Like, am I just supposed to do that? I'll grab my staff and I'll do it right now. I, I saw him do it. It looks simple enough. Like, I can probably pull it off. But I think as Joshua debated what to do, there's a few things that were on his mind. And before Joshua ever gets to the Jordan River or leads the people of Israel to the Jordan River, um, there's a few commands that God gives him earlier, as soon as he takes leadership. And there's three commands, um, similar beginning, but very different endings. And so in Joshua 1.6, uh, it says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Commandment number one. Then we got a second one. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed uh, in all that you do. And then lastly, he says... Uh, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a powerful scripture. And I believe that there's, there's three different elements that God gives and each one comes with this command of be strong and courageous. And so first God says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people out of Israel. And I, I can't help but notice, like, there was a lot of options for God to choose. I mean, he could have chosen any of the Israelites. He could have chosen, like, if he was going for spies, it could have been, you know, Joshua or Caleb. I mean, I mean, God had options. But the reality is, is that he said, no, Joshua, like, you are the one. And I believe that for some of us today, that God is saying, no, you are the one that I've called exactly where you are. 
There's a situation in front of you, but you are the one that I've called to be exactly where you are right now. In fact, God has called you in this moment. He's brought you here to this place right now, and he knows everything it is that you're going through. And so he says, Joshua, you are the one. And then he says, uh, like, you will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. In other words, there's a promise that God gives to Joshua. That he's already kind of given to Moses, and it goes way back to Abram. But there's a promise that is in front of him. And so he says, Joshua, like, you are the one that I've chosen to walk into this promise. And here's the tension that we often face. Where we are right now to where it is that God has called us to be and where it is that he wants us to be, there's often a gap filled with obstacles. And if we don't understand that we are the one that God has called and the one that he actually wants to walk in his promises and the one that he wants to, you know, um, share Jesus with others and the one he wants to bring healing to and the one he wants to, to be filled with joy and the one he wants to be filled with peace, then we'll just go on believing that his promises are for somebody else. And so my first point today is we can put our trust in God's promise. What God promises, we can put our trust in that with confidence. And so Joshua now has a promise. He knows that it's him that God has called. And he's supposed to be strong and courageous in this. He's supposed to be confident in this. And then the next part comes into play. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in, every, in all that you do. Okay. So we have Joshua. He's got a promise. He knows that God has called him to walk in that promise. And so we know it's kind of the trajectory of where he's supposed to go, but he's not sure how to get there. And so God also lays out the how, and this is exactly it. Meditate on my word, meditate on my law day and night, and you will be sure to obey everything. And you see what, what's happening here is that God has given Moses the law. He's given Moses um, his commands and how he wants the people of Israel to live. And what God is teaching him in this moment is, Joshua, it's not just about, you know, being the type of person that everybody likes. It's not just about being the type of person, you know, who um, knows a lot of information. But at the end of the day, it's about obedience, at the end of the day, like what is going to get you to the promised land isn't going to be your own experience, isn't going to be your own wisdom, but it's going to be me. And so in this moment, be strong and courageous and study up because I want you to obey my commands. He says, follow the instruction of Moses. And 
The beauty of it is that Joshua got to observe Moses, both in his high moments, like the Red Sea, where he's like leading the people of Israel through the Red Sea, and then also in moments when the people of Israel in the wilderness are upset because there's no water. And so Moses goes to God and says, what, what do you want me to do? He says, he tells him to go um, speak to a rock and then strike it. But Moses is so upset that he just strikes the walk, rock and water comes out. And it's out of this place of disobedience that it's actually the consequence that Moses will not enter the promised land. And so Joshua understands, you know, there, there are consequences to obedience, but there is such blessing in submitting to the ways of the Lord. And it's this understanding that continues to lead Joshua. And so we can put our trust in God's promise, and we can also put our trust in God's provision. Because when we choose to be obedient, our job is not necessarily to focus on the result. Our job is just obedience. Lastly, so we can put our trust in God's promise. We can put our trust in God's provision. And lastly, we can put our trust in God's presence. God's final command to, to Joshua is this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And like I said earlier, sometimes I do feel afraid and sometimes I do feel discouraged. And um, what do I do with these moments? I think God tells us right here. He tells Joshua, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. And here's why. Because I am with you. I am with you. And it's this whole understanding that if you know who God is, and if you understand that he is on your side, then there is no reason for fear or discouragement to be your portion. When you know that if you fall, he will catch you, then even when you feel afraid, even when you feel discouraged, you can still be strong. You can still be courageous, filled with courage, and filled with confidence that God will sustain you, that he will provide, that he has promised you, and so he will be faithful to fulfill it. And so again, going back to the story of Joshua and the Jordan, I think Joshua learned this so much that instead of trying to imitate Moses and take the rod or take the staff and go and stretch his hand out in front of the Jordan, instead, he says, let the Ark of the Covenant go first. In other words, let God's presence go first because his presence is the provision for the promise. And so there's the Jordan. I see the problem. I understand that it's an issue, but I also know God's promise. I know that he will provide, and I do know that his presence is with me. So I'm going to stop focusing on the problem and just abide in his presence. I'm going to um, allow his presence to be the actual solution for every issue that might come against us. And so today, 
How can an understanding of God's presence radically change your life? I believe that God is in the process of building his church. Just like he took the Israelites and and he was leading them to the promised land. I believe that in this season, he's awakening his church. And he is calling us to walk in all it is that he has called us to do. I believe that we are going to see people um, come to know him in, in large numbers. I believe that we are going to see healing. I believe that we are going to see um, just a, a, a confidence and a boldness in God's church. And it's not going to be because we know a lot. It's going to be because we understand God's presence. We understand that God's presence changes everything. And so, friends, let's be filled with faith. Let's be filled with faith this morning that his presence is enough. That not only is God powerful enough to change your situation, but that he actually loves you and cares about you enough to walk with you through it. And so we're about to sing a song. And it's called Build Your Church. And without God, everything in our lives means nothing. Absolutely nothing. But with God, everything changes. With God, there is hope. With God, we can walk with strength and courage. With God, there can be peace in the midst of uncomfortable situations. And with God, we can see victory. I want to leave you with this final verse. And it's found in John 16, 33. I'm reading it from the Amplified Version. And it says, I, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you may have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have come, I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished and my victory is abiding. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are faithful and that you are good. And Father, I just pray for each person that has come this morning and just feels heavy hearted, just feels like they don't know where to turn and what to do, that they just might feel afraid or anxious or discouraged. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them with faith of who you are, that they would remember how good and how powerful and how strong you are, that they can trust the promises that you've given them, that that they can um, abide in your provision. And that ultimately, Lord, you are with them even in this moment. So Father, awaken faith. We want you. We need you. Would you lead us and would you guide us? In Jesus' name. Amen.